I think also um, just the way that the world has um, developed, especially over the past couple of years, it's so much easier to have that remote life lifestyle now. Just super, super simple these days. And going back to, to your point, I mean, you really don't have to have a huge amount of money or even an online business to be able to live that lifestyle freedom. You're listening to The Growth Booth, the show focused on achieving lifestyle freedom through online businesses. Whether you're looking for step-by-step strategies to start building an online business, simple game plans to grow your business, or proven lifestyle freedom frameworks, you are in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the thousands of listeners already in growth mode. Welcome back to The Growth Booth. Today's episode is the first in a two-part series where we'll discuss lifestyle freedom and really try to destroy the myth that you need to have a lot of money to have the lifestyle of your dreams. Now, um, I've got a very special guest today, someone who has served as a friend, a mentor, and a business partner for the past decade, and that's uh, Steve Clayton. So, uh, Steve, thanks for being here. Just to set the scene uh, for everyone quickly, I thought that you could share a little bit uh, about your past life when you were in corporate. Sure. Yeah, it seems like kind of a long time ago now. But yeah, so I started in corporate America. I was, uh, you know, just out of school and, you know, 21 years old. And um, I started as a uh, computer programmer. So to give you an idea in, about how old this, how long ago this was, the computers, right, were water cooled. I kid you not. Stone Age. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I started there uh, and um, I spent 19 years, 18 years, whatever it is, in corporate America. And I kind of did the typical kind of, you know, raising through the ranks. I was a project manager and director of IT. And then I became, uh, through a whole host of circumstances and knowing people, and I became a chief information officer for a public company, which was a great job because it was a very entrepreneurial company, which is where I think I got my first taste of what I ultimately you know, sort of understood my passion to be, honestly. We started as a, it was about a $40 million, $50 million company. And then over the course of six or seven years, it was a very small management team, very entrepreneurial, very fast moving. We grew it to 200 million. And then we were bought out by a $5 billion uh, company who we knew well. So then there I was as a VP for a five, a VP of IT for a 500 or for a $5 billion company, a fortune 500 company. And I spent five years with them, I think. And it was, it was horrible, you know, because you went from being a, you know, an incredibly fast moving, nimble entrepreneurial company to, you know, the height of bureaucracy, you know, and it was, it was stifling and horrible for me. And I was miserable. Didn't even realize how miserable I was. So finally, after five years, you know, they knew that I wasn't happy. They weren't happy with me. I mean, entrepreneurs make crappy employees and constantly, you know, sort of chafing at the bit and stuff. So we parted ways. And then there I was, you know, sort of young, but not really young and had kind of accomplished, you know, sort of my career path, you know, in in corporate. So I, I didn't know what the hell to do. You know, should I start over? Should I you know, a new company, keep doing that. And then I, I just realized that, that my path really was um, entrepreneurial because that's what, that's what I loved. You know, there's so many sort of rabbit holes that we could dive into there, but um, I thought we could start by talking about that transition going from being in that corporate world, which you'd been doing for, you know, almost a couple of decades to becoming a solopreneur and just like, how did that unfold? Was that sort of like a conscious decision where you said, look, I want a different style of lifestyle. I've had it with this. Or 
Um, how did that sort of transition unfold? I mean, I was pretty done with corporate. You know, I was I was really unhappy. I didn't see a path within corporate to really, you know, to to, to any kind of fulfillment or happiness because I, I just didn't. It, it didn't move me. It didn't motivate me. However, uh, I had a, a wife, stay at home mother, wife, uh, who, who I still have, by the way, and uh, two kids, two young kids. At that time, I guess they were, you know, uh, 10, that was one in middle school, one in maybe one in high school. I, I don't remember. And so, you know, I had to make money. I mean, I, and, and I had a, I had been making good money. So I, you know, I had a cushion there and, uh, but I had a pretty high burn rate you know, just because that's what you do, you know, when you're in corporate and suburbia and successful. So um, I kind of said, okay, well, I, I know that's not for me, but I have to at least explore corporate, meaning get my resume out there and, and, and look for a job. But also I knew based on my experiences with that small company that we grew, that entrepreneurial kind of stuff was for me. I mean, that was my passion. That was my strength. That's where I felt like I could shine. That's what motivated me. I said, in the you know, I'm going to work on both those things in parallel. And I set out some goals uh, in a spreadsheet, of course, because I'm, you know, my whole life is built around spreadsheets, as we'll probably get talked to at some point. Um, so I set out some goals and I said, okay, uh, if I can meet these goals with the business that I build myself, then I won't, I'll stop looking for a job. And I sort of planned out six, 12 months, you know, whatever it was. And so I, I went down those parallel paths um, and I, I'll never forget. I remember I went, I went on a job interview and got on a plane and went to LA, which I didn't want to go. I mean, I love LA, but I don't want to live there. But, you know, there were very few jobs for somebody at that level of, uh, of compensation. So you go where you go, where they tell you to go. So I got on a plane to go to a job interview in LA and I landed, I was in baggage claim. And I remember this is how long ago, ago it was. I had like a, like a Palm Pilot kind of thing, you know, um, for, uh, I think, um, I, I don't remember exactly, but um, anyway, I was able to get it's my probably like a, It's probably like a, a water-cooled um, <laughs> cellular, <laughs> cellular device of some kind. It probably was. I had to crank it, you know, so I had all of a sudden the, one of the, you know, a couple of the campaigns that I was working on in affiliate marketing, they just started to click. They just, they, they'd been getting there, getting there, getting there. And they just started clicking, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, I, I know I'm now going to meet my goals. And I called him up and I said, yeah, I'm not coming. And I, I never even got to the hotel. I just turned around. <laughs> I went back. I just so this is when you're in the, in the baggage carousel at, yeah. at the airport, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just got the next flight back home. I was like, screw this. I, I remember you um, mentioning to me in the past, you even used to have nightmares about um, after oh, you had God. gone down your own path as a solopreneur, yeah. you'd still sometimes wake up thinking about uh, getting the suit and tie on. Yeah. As, for many years. Nightmare. I mean, it, it, for probably 10 years after I left corporate, I, there were times that I would wake up and I go, oh my God, was that all a dream? Like, do I, do I not have my own businesses where I can kind of, you know, manage my own freedoms? I have to now put on a suit and tie and, you know, go, go to work. Cause that's how old I am. We used to wear a suit and tie into work. Yeah. Make, so, makes you uh, yeah. wonder about just how, you know, psychologically traumatized you must've been to be having those kind oh, of, uh, those kind of those last, those last five years were uh, being really, really bad. The worst years probably of my life, I would say. 
the last five years. Yeah. So you you got to the point where you started making uh, money through um, your your own business, solopreneur gig, and obviously started to really get into this world of lifestyle freedom. You mentioned a moment ago about uh, spreadsheets and planning and something that came to mind was when we were in the Bahamas and Steve and I were sitting on a beach um, in the Bahamas and I don't know what we were doing. We were sitting on the beach and then next minute Steve's sort of like, um, oh, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to be able to own, you know, one of these super yachts that we had chartered out there for a business meeting. Um, so, the conversation didn't go much further. We went back to the yacht and stuff. And then um, you know, 20 minutes later, Steve appears um, out of his uh, out of his cabin. He's got his laptop in hand and he looks like he's, you know, um, un- he looks like he's found the answer to, to the universe kind of a thing. And he says, I've made a spreadsheet. And I was like, well, yeah, okay, well, you will, you know, what have you made a spreadsheet about? And he's like, I know how I'm going to, you know, build a, build a, buy a super yacht and turn it into a charter business and, and all this, that and the other. Um, and I always remember that. Um, so spreadsheets, um, uh, obviously a big, um, a big part of that. Just about the, the planning and stuff. If someone is right now, maybe they're in a day job and they want to bring more of that lifestyle freedom into their life, where can they start with, the planning, what's like a first step that they could potentially do if they're looking to build that lifestyle uh, business or lifestyle freedom? I mean, it's it's a little different for every circumstance. You know, it depends on what's compelling you. It depends on what pressures you have on you. But I can tell you for me, I think the function of the spreadsheet serves as getting it all out of my head and putting it somewhere so that I don't have to worry about it anymore. And it also lets me see sort of worst case. I mean, the minute I knew that there was not going to be any more money coming in, right? When corporate and I parted ways, the first thing I did was go to my spreadsheet, you know, and sort of say, okay, what is it going to take to live? You know? And I think that that is, is one of the best things that people can do is sort of say, people um, might not really understand the answer to what kind of a business do you need at least to get you to the point where you've got freedom from working for, from someone else. doesn't mean you're finished, doesn't mean, you know, you don't want to make billions of dollars or take over the world or whatever, but at least you can cut your ties, you know, with people who are, are, are in control of your destiny, you know? And so I think putting it all on paper and saying, all right, this is the life we want to lead. This is where we want to live. This is, you know, the school my kids are going to go to or whatever, whatever it is for you and map out, okay, well, here's what I need. You know, no, no kidding for real. Here's what I need with a little bit of a cushion. And that gives you an idea of, okay, now how can I get there in some, you know, gradual fashion? It doesn't have to be overnight. You know, it could be six months. It could be a year, whatever, whatever it takes. So I, I think it's really just getting it all, get, getting it out of the dream stage of, yeah, it'd be great to have my own business. Yeah. And putting it into reality to say, all right, well, my business needs to make you know, X amount per year to support myself, my family. Um, and it's, you know, reasonable to think I could get there in two or three quarters or whatever it is, you know, that sort of thing. So that helped me tremendously. I think um, there's something that happens when you all of a sudden put some ideas either down on paper on a, a spreadsheet. And if someone's not a spreadsheet guy, you can do the exact same thing by, you know, writing on the back of a napkin kind of a thing. And when you sort of start writing things down and say, okay, well, this is my list of overheads that I've got every month and I've got to get to a point where I'm making $100 a day or $172 a day or something to be able to you know, fund my lifestyle, 
that really draws a line in the sand and you can then go about uh, saying, okay, well, what are the different ways to get there? It just becomes the question changes then from, you know, this uh, sort of pie in the sky idea to something that is real with a real number attached to it. And I think that sort of leads me on to the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about was just around this myth about, you know, a lot of people think you need to have a lot of money to be able to experience lifestyle freedom. What's what's your take on on that? So I'll tell you uh, something. I don't think I've ever told you about this before. I was not that, that huge of an epiphany, but it was it, it stuck with me. So when I was in corporate, we had, uh, and I didn't mention this before, but I had gotten um, to meet with uh, several entrepreneurs when I was in corporate um, because we we were there looking at some of their technology or we were going to acquire their companies or you know something along those lines. And one of the guys, I ended up, I think we were out skiing and we were out skiing in Utah and he was very wealthy and had done very, very well as an entrepreneur. And uh, I learned a lot from him. Kip was his name. And we were on the slopes and we were looking at this beautiful home that was right on the slopes. And I was like, oh man, that's beautiful. And Kip said, yeah, it's great. He goes, he goes, but you know, one thing you got to keep in mind always, he goes, there's always somebody who has more than you. Always. Like there's just like, unless you're, you know, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or whatever, you know, there's always somebody that has more than you. And that's not really what it, his point was, that's not really what it takes. You know, what, what the people who are the happiest are the people that kind of know how much they need to be happy and they get that and then they use it appropriately, you know, in, in order to apply it to make, you know, to make happy. And it, cause it's not about winning the money race, you know, because again, there's always somebody who has, you know, more than you, you know, I think that's really the key to everything is, is understanding what do you really need? And then usually it's a much lower number. Almost anything's possible. I mean, if you, you know, if you want to live a life where you're, you know, I used to use this example of, all right, well, I want to be uh, on boats. You know, I want to have my own boat. I want to, uh, I want to fly planes, you know, cause that's what I want to do. And I want to live in Key West. Okay. Well, you could do what I did, which was, yeah, I, you know, I bought my own boat. I bought my own plane. I, you know, I rented a place in Key West for a couple of years with my wife and, you know, we lived that experience and it was great. Um, but there's plenty of ways to do that cheaper. And you could be just as happy as the guy who, you know, there's always somebody who's got more than you, you know, and for some people, I was that guy. And for, you know, for others, they're that guy to me, you know? And so you could do things like, you know, you could sell your car because you don't need a car uh, down in Key West, take a bus down to Key West, put go Craigslist and find a roommate, you know, for cheap housing. You could work on a charter boat down there until you get on your feet or, you know, and so then you could always be on the water. You could be a lineman on at the airport and trade, you know, work part time there and trade that for flying lessons so you could learn how to fly. You know, I mean, there's always ways to sort of pursue passions and dreams and find a way to get in there and find a way to get in there faster, you know, sooner rather than later, because life's too short. And then it doesn't mean that you can't ultimately have your own airplane and ultimately have your own charter boat and ultimately, you know, do uh, buy your own home in Key West, which I'm not sure I would ever recommend because it'll be underwater soon. But, you know, I mean, that that's, you know, that, that you can always do that. I think also um, just the way that the world has um, developed, especially over the past couple of years, it's so much easier to have that remote life lifestyle now. For example, you can um, shift to an amazing chalet in the French Alps and you can rent one of these things and you can see it and get it all lined up from the other side of the world 
and you can rent it through Airbnb. Just super, super simple these days. And going back to, to your point, I mean, you really don't have to have a huge amount of money or even an online business to be able to live that lifestyle freedom. In 2003, I did a ski season in Squaw Valley in Lake Tahoe. And I had like, it's not that I had no money. I had like extreme amounts of negative money debt at that point because I was finishing my um yeah, my student, my um, my university. So I had a lot of negative, uh, I had a lot of debt, but I was able to have this amazing, you know, three months living in a ski chalet with some of my friends and, you know, snowboarding every single day and just living, you know, what looking back was was really like the dream. And then we've done that um, in different ways in the future. Like my wife and I have done a couple of ski seasons in France, um, in the French Alps, in ski chalets where we can literally just open the door and ski right out the door. And you can get that kind of a thing for like 50 bucks, 50 bucks a day. And you can have a ski chalet. Now, it's not going to be a giant ski chalet, you know, with all the bells and whistles, but you don't need it, honestly. There are different ends of the spectrum and, you know, you want even cheaper than that or you don't have to go to the French Alps. You could go down to the Andes mountain range in Argentina. And I tell you what, you could get the very best chalet for 50 US dollars a day. So I think when you just um, realize that, um, that, you know, those things are sort of out there these days and you don't even need to have an online business to be able to do something like that. You can work remotely uh, doing, you know, uh, projects from from wherever. And I think it's just um, so much more of a reality these days. And saying that, um, I think it's also the kind of thing that um, lends itself nicely to being able to start building your own online business if that's what someone wants to do what about for someone who feels sort of trapped in the rat race i'm sure that at some stage you know with the position that you were in making a lot of money uh, in the rat race you must have felt to some degree like wow you know what am i going to do I'm, I'm trapped i can't i can't leave because i'll be giving up this income i've got all these overheads now what, what would you say to someone who's feeling trapped about uh, in, in the rat race I think I think two big things. Um, one is you really need to take some time to step back and understand what's happening to your mental health. If you're happy, great. I mean, you know, good for you. That's fine. But it's oftentimes very difficult for us, for all of us, to really understand if we're happy or not. I mean, I think some people are better at it than others, but I think it's a fairly common problem. People don't really understand you know, whether they're even happy or fulfilled or, you know, how their mental health is and what their stress levels are. But if you start having nightmares you know, like, about your job, then it's probably time yeah. to do something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or panic attacks or, you know, you just dread going to the office or you're living for the weekends or you're, you know, you're, I mean, you're living to work instead of working to live. I mean, it's, it, if you, and again, there are people who love corporate and that's fine. You know, I, I'm not suggesting corporate is the evil that's the problem necessarily. It's just you better make sure of it because life is way too freaking short to waste your time, you know, on autopilot like that. So I think that's a big one because if if you're not happy, then it doesn't matter. None of the other stuff matters. Everything's going to suffer. All your relationships are going to suffer. And it doesn't matter how much money you're making. The other thing I'll say is that I think we all have a warped sense of risk because I think we think, well... It's safe to be in corporate, you know, that that income stream is safe and it's not. And in fact, the more you make, the more successful you are in corporate, the less safe you are. Two little quick anecdotes or, you know, sayings or things that are true from the boardroom. Uh, the first of which is uh, what is one what, what is the one thing that every successful executive has in common? 
he's been fired. And he's been fired because, you know, or let go or to pursue other interests or whatever. He's been fired because he takes responsibility. He takes risks. He ta- you know, it, it, it's part of the success. It's part of failure is part of, you know, how you succeed. So that so that so there is a lot of risk. The other thing is that once you become more and more highly compensated, I'll tell you that when companies need to save money, the first thing they do is sit in a boardroom and uh, sort employees by order of salary, uh, most expensive at the top. It's kind of common sense, right? So I've seen that know. one unfold. Um, you know, way way yeah. back into my sort of one and only uh, corporate gig before I was lucky enough to get into online business. Um, I'd been working in a company. I was sort of managing some of the supply chain. It was a, a wine company. So there are a lot of perks. Like we did a lot, a lot of wine tasting <laughs> and, and so forth. Um, however, it's surprising how that gets old quite quickly when you have to do it every single day. But nonetheless, I'd been there for about six months and the company had to make some cuts. And the person that had been training me, she had been in the job for like 20 odd years or something and I was brand new and I was sort of brought in to take some of the load off her shoulders and uh, she was put on the chopping block and she was um, gone and it was literally she found out on a on a Tuesday and she was gone on a Wednesday and I, I still vividly remember uh, seeing this woman crying at her desk and she was sort of like one of the heroes of the company everyone who who was in the company knew her and she was all, almost sort of this indispensable force, but then management need to save some money. So who are they going to get rid of? Well, they, they chose to get rid of her. It's just, and that to me was just such a big lesson at that point in my life that is there really security in the day job Never. in this day and age? Never. There just isn't. And, and, you know, what's more secure than having your destiny in your own hands, you know, and knowing, knowing what's driving the decisions, knowing what's influencing everything and, and, doing what's best for you and your business versus some people sitting around looking at a spreadsheet of salaries. I mean, it's- did, did you talk about that decision to anyone? I mean, I'm sure you spoke about with, with your wife and so forth about uh, leaving the corporate world. Were there any, anything that you sort of found there that was useful that, that you'd share? My dad's a very conservative guy and, um, you know, he'd been, but it comes from a, obviously a different generation. And, you know, he'd been with the same company out of college, spent 35 years there, retired with a pension, but you can't do that anymore. I mean, you know, it's the, the, the math has changed, you know, I mean, you, if, if that existed, which it still does for, you know, like cops or, you know, firefighters or something, but for most people, you know, these pensions and stuff, they don't, they don't exist. So I talked to him and I expected him to say, uh, you got to stay with corporate. Don't go out on your own. Jeez. That's, ridiculous. You're nuts, you know, cause, cause you know, I mean that he spent most of his life telling me what a, you know, not, not in a bad way, but you know, cause I was a crazy knucklehead, you know, like what are you doing there? You know, like go back to school, get, you know, uh, fix the, you know, do that or do, do your homework, you know, that kind of stuff. So I expected him to say that instead he, he said exactly the opposite. You know, he said basically what we've just been saying He's like, look, there is no security anymore. He goes, what's more secure than having your destiny in your own hands. He goes, that's, it's a false sense of security. And that's stayed with me, you know, ever since. So. Yeah. I think also um, if you look at it through a little bit longer lens and you give yourself uh, like what you did um, on a spreadsheet, you know, six months, 12 months to be able to get something coming in, that's a very long time in an online business space because you should, I mean, if I, if I had to start from scratch again with, with nothing, I would absolutely expect to be able to get money coming in within even a few weeks or at least a few months, you know, if I was starting from scratch. So I think, you know, when you start looking at it through a wee bit longer of a lens, 
then it becomes so much more doable. And especially when you've got that idea in your mind about how much money you actually need to be able to, you know, survive um, and provide for for you and, and your family and so forth. Steve, I'm conscious of your time here. I think this has um, been great. I think we've um, touched on some uh, interesting things there, particularly about the the water cooled uh, computers. I'm going to have to do a Google search on those things uh, when we wrap up here. But um, we are going to be doing a follow up episode uh, to this. And uh, if you're listening to this, you can go over to thegrowthbooth.com episode number twelve, and you can download the show notes transcription. Uh, other bits and pieces and make sure you check out the next episode where we're going to expand on this and talk a little bit more about a framework for finding that uh, happiness and satisfaction so uh, that's a wrap for this one thanks again Steve and we'll see you on the next episode 